found in 2022, but under what exact conditions remain unknown. Hello everybody, welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, ahead of, yes that's right, a playoff game. And of course, un partido de playoffs, porque esto es Miami Total Football Radio. The number one and most listened to Inter-Miami podcast, providing you all the latest news, updates, analysis, opinions, inside information, general punditry, and much, much more. My name is Franco Panizo. I'm one of your usual co-hosts. If you're new around here, well, I'm usually joined by, or sometimes joined by, all three of the other co-hosts, but there's only one in the house accompanying me tonight, and that is, I can feel him glowing. I can feel him shining. For so many reasons that we'll get to in a second, I am of course talking about Steve, el primo Brenner. Steve, how are you doing today? And and why do I feel like you have glowing, a man. why do I feel like you have a, a smile from ear to ear right now? I'm glowing. You're making me laugh. <laughs> I predicted they would finish sixth. I was the only one that had any faith. It's paid off. And that, that's that's just why people should always always listen. You, you're not too too negative. You see, everyone else is too <laughs> negative. I just came through it in the end. That slap bang on it. So. uh no, not not sure about Monday now, but um, I was definitely the champion there. So, for those of you that may have missed our preseason predictions way back in February, we predicted then whether Inter Miami would make the playoffs or not. Jose and I, Andrea was not on the show. We're to, you know we're talking about all all of the co-hosts here. Jose Armando was on, and he said no playoffs. And I think he said tenth, ninth, tenth, or eleventh place for Inter Miami. I said no playoffs. I said. 10th place for Inter-Miami. Andrea Yanis was not on the podcast yet, so she did not put a prediction. In the re- in recent weeks, the three of us, Andrea, Jose, and myself, we all three of us still did not think Inter-Miami would make the playoffs. Steve was the only one... I'm such non-believers. Non-believers. Steve is the only one who remained optimistic and with faith throughout. And listen, full... Full merit to you for not only predicting correctly that they would make the playoffs, but also for predicting that they would finish in sixth place. Though, to be fair, if we rewind the tape, I don't even think you believed what you were saying at that time. I think you just threw it out, threw it out there, and you're like, "Oh, sixth, all right." And and hey, listen, but at the end of the day, you got it right. So I didn't have any money on it. I didn't have any money on it or anything. Well, That's I'll stupid. give you a round of applause all That's the same really because listen, if you can get an MLS preseason prediction correct like that then, I mean, that deserves that deserves a round of applause. So good job, Steve. Good job, Primo. You deserve your moment in the spotlight there for your fantastically fantastically accurate prediction. Although, hey, listen, I did say I think Gonzalo Higuain is going to be the MVP and the top goal scorer. I did say that in preseason, so, you know. Oh, I know. Okay. Little, little pat on the back there. You get myself. some wrong. You get some wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about, Steve. A lot to talk about. and Not just about your preseason predictions. We've got... Uh, Inter Miami versus New York City FC coming up on Monday at City Field. So we need to talk about that game as well as well what happened in the lead up to deciding the venue for that match because it was a big, big talking point over the past recent days. We've also not recorded in about a week, so we've we did not cover the last two games Inter Miami played, which were against Orlando City and CF Montreal. So we will analyze those games as well. And of course, we have to touch on the other game that was played in the past week and a half, which was 
Inter Miami's first ever media game. All right, Steve. Oh. Steve was. A, well, I Steve. didn't even know what you were going to say then. I, I, I raised it, already raised it from my memory. So yeah, good. Steve participated in it. We connected. We had a Miami Total Football Radio connection there for a goal uh, on one nice play, and Steve also had a very, yeah. very, very poor. Awful. Horrendous. Good chip by you. Good chip by you. The, the ball was there. No, 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 no. Don't, des- don't describe it yet. Don't describe it yet. Don't describe it yet. Don't, don't defend yourself. No, I'm just saying. I, all I will there, say. I was, like, was going to go in for it. Really all I will it, say. All I will say is that Federico Higuain, who was playing goalkeeper for one of the teams in the media game, for the opposing team, the team we were facing, Federico Higuain gave Steve a little bit of a comment after this horrendous gaff horrendous miss horrendous blunder but we'll talk about that at the end of the pod because we need to focus on inter miami and the many games that it has played or that it will play so steve a lot a lot to talk about let's get to it all right steve and all right listeners inter miami will play new york city fc in the first round of the playoffs new york city fc is the three seed they will welcome Inter Miami, the number six seed, as you so correctly predicted, to town. Now, initially, it was expected that the game would be held at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, home of the New York Red Bulls, because, well, because the New York Mets, which play at City Field in New York City, and the New York Yankees, which play at Yankee Stadium in New York City, both of those venues were occupied or were expected to be occupied due to playoff baseball however the new york mets were eliminated from the postseason and nycfc pivoted and now the game will be played at city field so if you're making plans make sure you head to city field in queens in new york because the game will not be played at red bull arena anymore it has been officially announced after a lot of back and forth a lot of uncertainty the game will be played on monday night at City Field. Okay, I've said that a few times there just to make it crystal clear of yep. where the location is. Steve. City Field, yes. What do you but- <laughs> Steve, what are your thoughts overall here? I know we've talked a little bit about it and we and we if as we tend to do, we've disagreed a little bit here with regards to the overall the overall situation, but just give me your thoughts on it being played at City Field and this whole ordeal that just happened over the last 3-4 days. No, it was stupid. And Phil Neville, we went down to the press conference today, and he was, you know, he was he was angry about it. You know, and he, he had a point. You know, it's, it's the Wednesday of a game. The, the game is supposed to be on Monday, and you still don't know where you're going to play. He said it's not, you know, it said um, where we're actually playing doesn't bother me. We could play on top of the Empire State Building for all I care. But what probably people don't understand is we've got a travelling party of 55 people to get hotel rooms in New York. It's near impossible. They've lost already lost the booking. Um, you know, they just need to know. I don't understand why the league didn't step in initially anyway and just sort of say, apparently it was a third party, the, the ticket, when the ticket news went out that it was going to be at City Field, that was the third party sort of branch of NYCFC's sort of marketing department or wherever that put it out there without actually having checked probably that it was going to happen. But then the league like sort of let it fester. It was just like a weird thing. But um, it's not ideal, and I, th- I think MLS should insist that all playoff games, you know, they hope it could be seen worldwide, should be soccer-specific stadiums, not a baseball stadiums, and certainly, you know, sort of dealt with better than that. So I understand why he was a bit pissed off, but he says that, um, you know, they're, they'll they'll go to win the game whenever, and, and they will do. It's just, um, yeah, it's, it was an unwelcome kind of distraction for them, I guess, 
to deal with, but at least they know now. So and the game's not till Monday night, so it's not too bad. So I agree with you that it's Bush League that the decision comes this late into the build-up or this late into the run-up to the playoff game. I'm not saying it matters hugely. I'm just sort of saying... No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm not disagreeing with that. Where I disagree is with Inter-Miami's very vocal, very public statement of displeasure towards what NYCFC did. Listen, you can express... You can express, you know, dismay at the overall thing. Like I, I, I get it to an extent, right? Like you know, and I, I still agree, right? It's bush league that that the stadiums changed on on like you know on that on that late of a notice because there were, I'm sure there were fans for both teams that already made arrangements, especially te- people here in South Florida that bought tickets to go to New Jersey hotel. It's not too much of a of a muck up though. I mean, you know, you still you would be in New York anyway. I mean, it's it's to... a slap in the face of the fans. It's a slap in the face of the fans that are planning. It's it, it it's not what a professional sports league should be doing, sure. right? So I agree with that, but I don't agree with Inter Miami making such a big deal about it because it seems it comes off to me. Well, I... It comes off to me as a TS. They talked about Phil Neville talked about logistics, and you know, there's definitely an element of that here. But when you saw the tweet that Phil Neville had on Sunday and the response Jorge Mas had, it seemed like Inter-Miami wanted just to play on a soccer field because it wants to play on a soccer field because that will give it a better chance of winning. And let's not forget, if it is played at Red Bull it's, Arena... That's better though, isn't it? That's better to play on a proper Okay, soccer. it's better. But, but, Red Bull okay, Arena. but who is the home team? Who won the right to decide where the home game is? No, true. And they weren't disputing that. We've both been to Red Bull Arena. It's a great, it's a good, great right. place Would to I play rather soccer? watch a game? In Red, at Red Bull Arena than at Yankee Stadium, a soccer game, a football game? Yes, absolutely. Would I, would I rather, would I rather play? Would I rather play a football game if I was a professional? Absolutely. It's pristine conditions. But guess what? And for people that might not know the New York area that well, New York, New Jersey area that well, Harrison, New Jersey is it's a good trip away from Manhattan proper. Yeah, and on a Monday night... Train. We've both done it. We get the path train from, from Manhattan. It's not too bad if you get the right train. It's just annoying. I was I, I went there for, for it's a couple enough, of years. It's enough to prevent people from going. It's enough to prevent people so. from going. I think so. No, I disagree. Sorry, I disagree with look, that. Look no, at, it's not okay, that bad. I mean, look at the Red Bull's attendance and look at New York City FC's attendance. In, sure. It's those... easier to get to Yankee Stadium anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. So it does prevent people from going. And that's something that New York City FC fans that, you know... Uh, once NYCFC came into the league, a lot of f- soccer fans that were like, oh, well, I just didn't go to Red Bull because it's too difficult to get out there. It's too time consuming, etc. Et it's annoying. Et it's annoying. So, it can't be annoying. Okay. So, Especially when you get on the wrong train. <laughs> it sounds like that's happened to you a couple of times. Uh, okay. So, but look, so NYCFC, they, does, they earn the right based on the regular season finish to choose where the game is. And I agree that it's Bush League to change it. You know, again, I get it, especially for the fans that have to make travel arrangements and all that. But... Phil Neville made the point, you know, in four years' time, the U.S. are hosting the World Cup. That has nothing to do... That was ridiculous on his part because... No, that's a story. I went with the story, threatening the reputation of the game in the U.S. It's just like Mickey Mouse. It's It's Okay, again, I agree it's Bush League, but it's that's a nonsense comparison because... U.S. soccer will run it's not a the World Cup. It's just U.S. Saying. soccer will run the World Cup. MLS does not run the World Cup. So no, playing at Yankee Stadium is not, is not a possibility. 
What, one thing does one thing has nothing to do with the other. MLS has nothing to do with the World Cup. MLS has nothing to do with who's organizing the World Cup and the stadiums that will be used in the World Cup. It has nothing to do with that. So that that comparison by Phil so Neville linked, is man. It's so linked. It's so linked. No, no, here we go. Here we go. With the, it is, it is, it's, it's not linked. It's not linked. It's not linked at all. MLS has nothing to do with the World Cup. But anyway, okay. I, I'm trying to get. I'm trying to spit the point out here, but I can't get it out. So look, overall, NYCFC earned the right to decide where the home game is. Yes, it's bush league to change it on short notice, especially for for fans that have made travel plans. But if NYCFC feels that they will have more fans, their fans in the stands at City Field because that's more accessible than Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, then they have every right to be able to make that decision because they won home field advantage. Sure. So, okay, but I'm also saying that as a as a team that are not able to use their home stadium because of for, for whatever reason, then that that sort of just debilitates them slightly, doesn't it? You know, so, and MLS should insist that it, it's a no. MLS it's should a not insist. MLS thing. should not I think insist. They should. That. No, I think no, they should. No, I, I 100% disagree with that. No, nope. it looks crap at City Field. It looks crap, doesn't it? Nope. I, I would. It doesn't matter. It looks like it looks like crap. But to say MLS needs to insist, I, I would wholeheartedly disagree with you there. I think the league should. Yeah, for sure. I would wholeheartedly disagree with you there because listen, and, and this is the overall point. I think this is the biggest point, and, and I haven't even gotten to it yet. We're in this mess, like. As, as soccer observers, Inter Miami's in this mess, New York City FC's in this mess, MLS is in this mess, all of us that are, you know, fans and observers, we're all in this whole predicament because MLS allowed New York City FC into the league back in 2014 without a stadium plan. And well, yeah. they have not gotten a stadium plan in place since. So they're stuck at Yankee Stadium, which is... You know, they rent that place out. They I forget how much they pay per game. It's it's a it's a hefty See, amount. Abu Dhabi millions, mate. It doesn't so, doesn't matter. They wanted to get involved in MLS and that's why okay, they but because you know. of the situation, you have incidences like this. You have problems like this that arise because MLS and this falls on MLS. This doesn't fall on on the and NYCFC as much. MLS approved the NYCFC to come in with a Yankee Stadium, knowing that they didn't have a stadium plan in place. So guess what? This is on MLS. Now, why should MLS insist that they should play not in a baseball stadium? Again, I agree that playing in a soccer stadium is better uh, from an aesthetics point of view. I, I agree that it's better for the overall product on the field. But if you're, if you're going to start down that road of, well, it needs to be at a soccer stadium, then what about all the American football stadiums that are used? New England Revolution playing in a football stadium. Atlanta United, they play in an in a fo- American football stadium. No, yes, it has just, soccer dimensions, yeah. but et cetera, et cetera. So you could make, if you want to start down that road, then, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, well, no, I mean, every game should be played in a soccer-specific stadium. It's just not the reality of MLS Today, maybe in twenty years, thirty years, okay, but not today. But I don't want to get so. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you chime in there, but I, I don't want to get stuck on, on just this one no, thing. I'm, we have other I'm, I'm flabbergasted about. by your your uh, your position on it, really. So I won't bother anymore. How much does it so, matter? How much does it matter what field they play on, whether Red Bull Arena matter. or City Field? No, it doesn't really matter, but it's just I just just think it's just badly it's just badly organized, and it just you know, I agree just, with that. I agree with it that. It gives them an extra headache to be we're talking about it today when it was like needless to talk about so discussions that should be happening behind closed doors and then we just get get told it rather than us sort of living through it them saying oh we don't know we haven't heard from MLS yet and it was already like how how have they not heard from MLS in, in the space of like 18 hours it's just you know it's that's not, what they were saying not, that's what Miami was saying so, so I, 
So I heard on Tuesday. Also, we're making just to be clear, we're making we're making a, like a bit of a big deal out of it. It's not that a big deal in the end. Whoa, of the day. whoa, whoa, whoa. We, I don't think we made a big deal out of it. I think Inter Miami made a big deal out of it very well, publicly. No, we're involved in the story. No, I think it, it was wow. a fun sort of thing. Really? I don't know. It was, it was really. We haven't really had much news down there. I guess it's, just speaking here, totally with like a journalist hat on, but. Yeah, we got sort of stuck into a bit of a little new story, so that was quite nice, as you know, as a journalist, anyway. Steve, do you really believe the stuff you're saying right now, or, or are you just like pulling my leg? Because there's like you cannot say that Inter Miami did not make a big deal about it when you have the owner of the team tweeting <laughs> out, <laughs> tweeting out that the game will not be played. He says it with a very authoritative uh, delivery on Twitter. And he was responding to to Phil Neville on Twitter. And he says, this is Jorge Mas. Quote, no way this game is being played at a baseball stadium that isn't their home field. Dot, dot, dot. If they don't want to play at a soccer-specific stadium, they should move it to the Meadowlands instead. Oh, well, he's quote. got a point. He's got a point. How does he have a point? Why does? Why is that a point? Why? Why? Because Inter-Miami wants to play it in a soccer-specific stadium because they think it better suits them? Or because... I just think it should be. I just think it should be played in a soccer-specific stadium. Stadium, just for many different reasons. We've both been to Red Bull Arena. It's a great place to play football. They should just play it there. It's just better. It's just it's rubbish on. Uh, uh, it's rubbish at. I covered cricket at City Field, but it's a baseball stadium, just like Yankee Stadium is as well. And, okay, um, so let's take let's take teams that play during the regular season and that have their home field advantage at certain stadiums. Let's take that away because El Primo needs to see a better product on the field during the playoffs while he sits uh, at home on his TV. Like, no, man. No, you. the teams mm-hmm. that play at home, play at home. That's their home field. Man. It'd be like saying, oh, well, South Florida's too hot, so they can't play there because it's too hot. So now you need to move it because, you know, it's it's not good for the product. Like, like your home field advantage is your home field advantage regardless of what it is. We're in the situation because MLS allowed NYCFC in, into the league without a stadium plan. And this is not the first time that NYCFC has been involved in some incident like this. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, when they were playing CONCACAF Champions League, they played at Red Bull Arena. I think they played one game in in LA. So this is not this is this is a byproduct of MLS's decision to bring NYCFC into the league. Now you just have to deal with it. MLS has to deal with it. Other teams have to deal with it and suffer the consequences of Major League Soccer's decision. This is on MLS less so than Inter Miami NYCFC. Although again, I think Inter Miami clearly wanted NYCFC to have as little home field advantage as possible to try to you know raise their chances of winning the game, which is understandable, but. I thought it was it was much ado about nothing because it was out of their control, completely out of their control. They can make you know some fuss and they could they could talk about it publicly and get the fans. Yeah, but that's you know, Hulk, that's that's Jorge Mas, isn't it? He kind of you know shoots from the hip and you know he's wholehearted and get loves to get stuck in. That's just his nature, isn't it? I guess he wanted to have a go back, but he just he did it on Twitter. I asked if we could speak to him at the press conference, but I didn't receive a comment back saying yes or no. So I think that was a no. Um, but yeah, you, know, you think that, that was that's... a no? I'm pretty sure that's a no. <laughs> yeah, that was def- that was a definite. It's, no, a, it? it's, it's like, like calling a girl and being like, "Hey, do you want to go on a date?" And she just doesn't get back to you. Uh, well, yeah, there's your answer, Steve. I'm pretty sure you have your yes. answer. Um, okay, the Jorge Mas wasn't given to us, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> no, Phil never had. He had a go, and rightly so. At the time, we didn't know. Now we do, and and that's it. They're not going. You know, it's not going to use it as an excuse. It was just a weird sort of thing, really. I was going to ask you if it's if it's like a sort of United versus City kind of thing, you know, the fact that he played for United and they're they're obviously owned by Man City, uh, but I didn't in the end. Well, let's talk about NYCFC and the ma- actual matchup, okay? Because we've talked about this stadium ordeal and this whole thing for a good bit here. What can we expect from New York City FC, a team that beat Inter Miami two to zero at Yankee Stadium earlier this year, but that lost three to two at Drive Pink Stadium to the South Florida side? 
So, look, NYCFC finished in third place in the Eastern Conference, as I mentioned before. They had 16 wins. Lost seven, the best player. Seven draws, 11 losses. They scored 57 goals, gave up 41. So, plus 16 goal differential. They did lose Tati Castellanos midseason as he was sold abroad or loaned abroad. And yet they've still managed to finish in the top three. Now, they are dealing with some injuries, including most notably, perhaps, Tutalis Magno, who is one of their key attackers, uh, a player that gave Inter-Miami fits, even in that game down here in Fort Lauderdale. So he's a question mark. And again, we're recording this pod on a Wednesday, so there's a lot of time that for him to, to potentially recover and make it onto the game day roster and on the field on Monday. But as of right now, he's a question mark. And that, you know, if he doesn't play or he doesn't start, that's a big boost for Inter-Miami's chances. Okay, Steve, Inter-Miami comes into this game, and we will dive into the two matches in a bit. Coming off a win against Orlando City and then a loss on the last day of the regular season against CF Montreal. And the game against CF Montreal was completely different than the game against, uh, uh, against Orlando City because... They look pretty poor. And you were there to see it live and in person. So what do you expect from Inter-Miami going into this game? What type of team do you expect? They're, they're, they're coming off a loss. It was an ugly loss at home. They're in the playoffs, yes. But what kind of Inter-Miami side do you expect? Do you expect an attacking team? Do you expect a defensive-minded team? Do you expect a team uh, that's going to go for it? It's high on confidence, low on confidence. What do you expect from Inter-Miami on Monday night at City Field? No, I think they're. I think they're going to go for it. You know, I think. Um, you know, they just defended really badly. I thought for both of the, the opening goals um, again. You know, against Montreal, Montreal just played them off the park. Really, they were just never in it. Just Mabika and and Lowe were just poor together. They're good players. I like them. I do like them both. I think they do have potential, but they were just they were pretty bad, weren't they? I think certainly in the first half, they're all over the place. And uh, Wanyama was just you know best player on the park. Him and Kone out front, he was decent. And um, Miami just weren't weren't in it. But I don't think it matters too much, man. They'll go into that, they'll go into the next game full of full of confidence. He said today we're not gonna we're not gonna die not trying. You know, we're gonna we're gonna have a go. And um, you know, I love talking about Man United, Fergie and all that kind of stuff. And he said Ferguson wouldn't send a team out, you know, to, to lose. You've got to just try and win, especially even in, in these kind of games. So um, I think they'll they'll have a go. They'll have a go. Maybe the the pitch will uh, see see what the pitch is like. But um, I think they'll have a go, mate. But it's not going to be easy. So it's it's not going to be easy, and it it will depend a lot on the personnel NYCFC has, as well as the personnel that Inter Miami has, because we have to note Alejandro Pozuelo, Leonardo Campana. They're both nursing injuries, and Pozuelo did some training again on with the team on Wednesday. After missing the last two games, Campana still not training with the side. He and said today. He said today they, they both. Who is he? Ready. Who is he? Phil. Phil. Okay. All right. Just making sure because you sometimes you say he and I. You know I know who you're talking about, but you're making me assume. Up to H. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Phil. Okay, Phil said. Um, no, the, just the, the companion and Pozuelo, but should should be okay. I think they were confident the companion was going to be okay anyway. Uh, certainly for the playoffs after, you know, he hurt his hamstrings. So they thought he was going to be okay, but he's going to miss one match. And, um, yeah, he hopes Pozuelo as well. So, no, I think that he needs he needs them back, to be honest. It'd be a real shame if, if, if both of them are injured or not not a full fitness because that really hurt them because, you know, they're a team that haven't got a lot of brilliant players and they're two of their definitely their better ones. Um, so, yeah. And now another another player that I think is a question mark 
is Amin Mabika, who's been starting as of late as the center back partner for Damian Lowe because he was clutching for his hamstring in the second half of the game against CF Montreal, and he was eventually subbed out. So is he going to be 100%? Can he start on the week, on Monday, or is it going to be rookie Ryan Saylor that has to get the nod as a result of, of Mabika's status? So we'll see. Uh, it's it's. I like Mabika. I like he's a good talk as well, isn't he, Mabika? He's a very good talker. Very good talker. Yeah, he and, is. He's an intelligent guy. I like him. He's he's a good guy. And we'll touch on something he said post game after the CF Montreal game in a little bit. But you know, it depends which Inter Miami players are available. I do, I agree with you. I think Posuelo needs to be on the field more so than Campana. Posuelo needs to be on the field. I think he will be on the field. I think he plays in this game. Because it's a win or go home game. You either come out on top, some way, shape, or form, even if it has to be on penalty kicks, or your postseason run comes to an end very, very quickly. So I think that they'll they'll push him to play. They'll push him to go. I know Phil Neville today in the press conference said that they won't play unless they're 100%. He was talking about Campana and, and Pozuelo. But, I mean, at this point in the season, you're probably going to push them even if they're not 100%. And they'll probably push themselves, you know, because, again, it's it's do or die time. It's win or go home time. So I, I expect Pozuelo to play. I'm not so sure about Campana. I, I would say probably not. Probably not. Uh, I know Inter Miami says that they're optimistic about his chances of playing, but he's still not training. And I mean, look, he's he's got also the World Cup, something that he's you know set as a goal for himself since the start of the year. He's got the World Cup potentially on the horizon in. In a few weeks' time, is he really going to push himself if he's not 100 100% or he doesn't feel comfortable enough to play? Yes, it's an important playoff game. Yes, his club matters as well. But if he's not healthy, he's not healthy. And and you just, you know, I, I know that's a kind of con- contradicting what I just said overall, but I think Pozuelo's in a healthier place. He's, he's already trained. Campana is not, has not yet. So, anyway, uh, I think Inter-Miami, you know, Phil Neville said today that they will go for it. They will try to blitz NYCFC, that they will try to attack and that's been the recipe for success for Inter Miami for much of the last two, three months. And I do think that that's the way to go about it. Give yourself, I think that gives Inter Miami the best chance of winning is to play aggressively and try to dictate the tempo and try to impose its will on NYCFC. But I don't know if, if Phil Neville's going to do that. And, and Jose, and it's a shame that Jose Armando's not on the podcast this week because he was. You know, debating with me in the press box during the regular season finale about how Phil Neville would approach the playoffs. And he thinks, Jose thinks, that Phil Neville will go defensive-minded. And I, in, the, in the moment, I was like, no way, no way. And I would still say, I think, if I had to bet, I think Inter Miami comes out aggressive and attack-minded. But I could see Phil Neville making some adjustments. I could see Phil Neville maybe dropping the lines a little bit, maybe not being so aggressive, especially if Campana is not available. I could see them maybe taking their foot a little bit off the pedal. I think that would be a mistake, but I could see that happening because now it's playoff time. And, and playoff games do get managed a little bit differently, or they tend to. But I, I again, to reiterate, just go for it, Inter Miami. You've made the playoffs. We'll talk about what, what a great achievement that is. But, you know, from here, anything from here is, is icing on the cake or a cherry on top. Anything else from here. Hey, and I know Inter Miami, they're competitive. They want to make some noise. They want to try to go as far as they can. They've talked about even MLS Cup and trying to do that uh, not only for Gonzalo Higuain, who's retiring, but just the team in general. So 
Okay. Yes. That that I I get that the desire is there, but just go for it and and go and see what see what happens. See where the where the chips fall. Don't 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 speculate. Don't don't fall into a a counterattacking team or parking the bus and looking to hit in transition. Just do what's led you, do, do what's given you success to this point. Do what's led you here. I think that's attacking. That's what so he said today. Phil Neville did acknowledge, I think last week it was, that you know some of the stuff he says publicly to us in the media, sometimes it's a lie. Sometimes he's trying to throw us off course and he's trying to throw the opposing teams, which will consume what's being said. He tries to throw them off course. And he acknowledged that. He acknowledged that last week. So, you know, again, you could take it at face value or not. It could go either way because, again, he has not always been the most forthcoming when it comes to being honest about, you know, injuries and, and game plans and whatnot, which is completely in his right as a head coach of the team and, and how he decides to to maneuver in the media. No problem with that. So I'm just saying it's possible that he says that, that they're going to go for it, and then he comes out with a completely different game plan. But I agree. I think that they will go for it, maybe with some adjustments, and I think that they should go for it. You know, give yourself the best chance to win. I don't think sitting back and inviting pressure from New York City FC is the way. You know, this team has been good with Gonzalo Higuain scoring goals and, and being set up by Pozuelo and Ariel Lasser has been in good form as of late. So play to your strengths. Try to outscore the other team, even if it's a goal fest, even if it's a shootout. Because um, I don't think you're you're going to be able to sneak out a 1-0 type of win against NYCFC by, by being defensive. I just don't I don't think so. But anyway, uh, key to the game, Steve. What does Inter Miami need to do to extend its postseason run past the first round of the playoffs? Play would certainly defend. They need to defend much better than they did on um, against Sunday against against Montreal. Need to move the ball quicker. They were just sort of ponderous. Uh, Yedlin was, didn't have one of his best days. I think so many of them had off days, but Yedlin in particular, normally he's pretty decent going back up and down the wing and his crossing usually good, but... It just didn't. Have, it wasn't happening for him, and a lot of a lot of their plays sort of fell down on that right hand side when he kept getting the ball. But um, yeah, they just just need to improve on all all aspects. Like I say, I, Beaker and and Lowe sometimes together they look uh, ponderous and just a bit sort of yeah not that secure. Uh, but they have there have been performances when they put it together well and they look you know dominating. They're two big guys. That should that should be cleaning up really at the back. You know, we spoke to Damien Lowe earlier today, yesterday, and he was in pretty relaxed mood. I don't think he really gets ever gets stressed. But uh, um, you know, they're both sort of big units, so they should um, they should be able to dominate sort of strikers really. So um, uh, they, they they need to prove in that respect. So my key to the game is taking their chances. If Inter Miami takes their chances and they're clinical enough in this game, I think they can they can see it out. I think they can win this one. I think they can pull off the upset. But they have to be clinical. That means Gonzalo Higuain. That means Ariel Lasser. That means Alejandro Pozuelo. That means to whoever the chances fall to, they need to put most of those away. Because I think there's going to be goals in this game. I don't think this is going to be a 0-0 game, a cagey affair, where the two teams are, are feeling one another out. I think both teams are going to attack. I think both teams are going to try to, to impose themselves on one another. And that's going to lead to chances. And that's going to lead, I think, to goals. Now watch my, my, my prediction will not be as good as your preseason one was, and this ends up being like a 0 zero game that goes to penalty kicks, and, and then one team wins it from the, from the penalty mark. But I expect goals in this game. I'm predicting goals in this game, and I think Inter Miami's best chance is to try to outscore NYCFC in, a, in an attack-minded 
posture and attack-minded approach. You get three to four clear-cut chances, you put two or three away, I think you stand a good chance at advancing. You're going to give up chances at the other end, surely, but put yours away, put the pressure on NYCFC, and you have a, you have a very good chance at moving on. That's just what I think. That's my key to the game. All right, let's switch gears because we still have two more Inter-Miami games to talk about. And let's start with, usually we go with the most recent, but let's go with uh, the first one. Let's go in chronological order here. Because Inter-Miami played Orlando City last Wednesday. In the latest edition of what I call the Sunshine Clásico, El Clásico del Sol, at Drive Pink Stadium. And Inter-Miami prevailed 4-1. Leonardo Campana scored the opener in the... Opening seconds, I forget exactly what second it was. It's the fastest goal in it. 34th, wasn't it? 34 seconds? 34, 35, maybe 39. I, I'd have to go back and look. But he set the record for fastest goal in Inter-Miami history with a great lobbed effort a or a chipped effort from three-fourths of the field over Pedro Gales, the Peruvian international. Heck of a goal. It sent Drive Pink Stadium, which was pretty full for a Wednesday, into a frenzy. Everyone was on their feet practically uh, in, the, in the four stands. And it was just a dream start for Inter Miami. A dream start for a commanding victory because Campana scores in the first minute. Iguain then adds a second in the 38th. He, Iguain makes it 3 0 in the 52nd off, uh, off of a penalty kick. Uh, Inter Miami then scores a fourth through Ariel Lasseter in the 56th. Orlando City gets on the board in the 71st minute, and that's their consolation prize. But this game was a one sided affair, and it punctuated. And booked Inter Miami's ticket to the postseason, and it's a tremendous effort, uh, a heck of a job from Phil Neville and his staff, and the players and the staff and everyone involved. Because I did not see this coming, and a lot of people, truthfully, did not see this coming. And I know a lot of listeners did not see this coming. I know there were some that had the faith, like you, Primo, that Inter Miami would make the playoffs, but there were a lot that did not, including myself. So. Listen, I'm critical when I when I think criticism is fair and just, and I will give credit when it's due. And Phil Neville has done a tremendous job with a team that had sanctions, with a team that on paper isn't uh, the, one of the most talented in the Eastern Conference, but they're a team. He got a team to fight for one another, to play for one another. In the run-up to this game, I don't think they played their best soccer, but they found ways to win games. This one, they... Very, very deservedly came out on top because they were the better side from start to finish, and it was their best game at their at the best moment because this game guaranteed a spot in the playoffs had they won it, and they did. So, your thoughts on the overall victory and Inter Miami making the playoffs, accomplishing something that a lot of us, not you, thought they would do. No, they did it in a bit of style as well, didn't they? Scored some goals, and they, you know they've just been on a decent, a decent run. Fifth game on on the spin, the best record they've had so far in terms of an unbeaten run. And um, no, it was just a nice way to to seal, you know, what has been his Phil Neville's, um, you know, minimum goal this season is to get into the playoffs. That's what that's what they've been been searching for. And um, you know, I think if they were stinking out of the league like Toronto or Chicago right in the bottom, then. You know, there'd be a lot of questions being asked, but I think to have got to this this point, 
considering everything they've done, I think they've done a yeah a decent a decent job and definitely just turned it around. Wasn't it against after the defeat uh, against Chicago? You thought that, that was it, season over. I, I did think, think was... I did think that was I didn't think it was over, and I and I yeah, and still. I stayed with you know the the thought that I didn't think they would make it, and the reason for that I will explain myself just to to make it clear. Inter Miami was winning games that they weren't particularly playing well in. Like think about it, they they took they won one late against DC. They they came back and beat Columbus. Yeah, they were the better team in the second half. Inter Miami was not so much in the first half. That was that weather delay game or the lightning delay game. Uh, so they weren't necessarily playing winning soccer from the run of play, but they were finding ways to come out on top, which is a sign of a good team. One sign of a good team. But I just didn't think they would consistently be able to pull out the necessary victories. I, I did say I thought they needed to win four out of the last five. That's exactly what they did. They won four in a row before losing the fifth, and they got into the playoffs that way as Columbus had a complete disaster, a, 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 an incredible free fall in terms of where they were and in terms of how it happened because they consistently found ways to lose games or drop points by giving up late goals. Intermind was the opposite. Intermind found ways to win games or, or or get points by scoring late on. So I, I didn't think Inter-Miami would be able to maintain that winning formula given how they were playing. But like I just said, in the biggest game of the season, Inter-Miami delivered its best performance of the year. It's most thorough, it's most comprehensive, it's most dominant showing... Orlando City was practically a non-factor for much of that game. You you didn't even know that Facundo Torres was on the field or Pereira. Like you 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 didn't even realize. You couldn't even if you didn't know what team that was. If you took away the purple jerseys and took the names off the backs of their jerseys and you just gave them uh, black shirts, you wouldn't have known who those players were because none of them looked like themselves. Really, nobody. Uh, so and that's a testament to Intermine and a testament to Phil Neville. And but just the the manner in which they got up for the game and the manner in which they delivered and performed. So I've been critical of Phil Neville. I think he deserves his praise here. He got the job done, and he got this team to to really buy into what he was selling and what he was trying to 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 produce there out on the field. And, and I think look, one prime example you can look at is Ryan Saylor and Amey Mabika. Mabika is a second year center back. Ryan Saylor is a first year center back professionally. They've alternated next to Damian Lowe at times this year, and they've mostly held up. They've mostly held up. So I think that's a testament to, yes, not only the players for doing their part and performing and delivering good performance levels, but also for the coaching staff for knowing the right moments, again, with some exceptions, the right moments for when each one should start, the matchups for when each one should start. I think that you know there's, there's merit there for the coaching staff for Phil Neville. So... A massive, a massive accomplishment for the organization. I don't think it can be undersaid or undersold because well, I don't think it should be understated because what they did with how hamstrung they were financially is 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 a great, great achievement. That that's what their goal was. That's what they were striving for. They have now accomplished that. But back to the game. Inter Miami lost Leonardo Campana to an injury in the first half, and you touched on it earlier. It's a hamstring. Inter Miami said they were hopeful that he would be back for the first game of the playoffs. It's not looking likely, at least as of right now. The World Cup is on the horizon. I mentioned that earlier. Steve, what are your thoughts on Leonardo Campana's injury? What are your thoughts on whether you think we see him in this playoff? I, I mean, because it's a hamstring. It's a muscle injury. 
takes yeah. some time to recover from. And, and and if he does go back out there, and not at 100%, and maybe not even close to 100%, maybe that's what I should say. Maybe if he goes back out there not close to 100% to try to push it, he could re-aggravate that injury, and then you're talking about very possibly risking missing the World Cup if he's called up. So your thoughts on the injury? Do you think we'll see Campana? When he first did it, he, they, they thought that it wasn't too serious. They definitely ruled him out of the, the next game, the Montreal game, but they were confident that he was always going to come back for the for the playoffs. And he, like I say, he said that today. Um, yeah, yeah, he hasn't been training properly, so he has been injured. He's definitely had the World Cup on his, on his mind as well. So it's not, you know, he hasn't been in, you know, great health, has he, the whole season. So it's, you know, it's definitely should be a worry for him. So um, yeah, it's just some unfortunate, unfortunate timing. But you know, it's a long, it's a long old season. This is not inside information. This is just my speculation, my sensation. I don't think he makes it in time for Monday. Could be wrong. I've been wrong before, clearly. So yes, <laughs> many times, <laughs> many times, many times. Hey, listen, that's what this podcast is for, brother. Our opinions. We put ourselves out Getting there. We put wrong. we put our hands up. No, we put our hands to the flame. Sometimes you get some things right. Sometimes you get some things wrong. It's about getting more right than you do wrong. Primo. So anyway, yeah. uh, let's let's con- we get more right than wrong. <laughs> With, what voice was that? Are you doing a commercial or something? That's, like, that's the sort of advertising voice, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, anything else you want to add about this game against Orlando City? Uh, you know, we, we've touched on it. You know, briefly here, we've, we've grazed the surface, but not gone. You know, very deep dive. You know, again, I think it was in Miami's best performance, and and you know, I gave Phil Neville credit in the post game press conference. Uh, I did it on social media afterwards. I've criticized him a whole bunch. I know I keep saying it, but now in this moment, he deserves the praise because he he's taken again. He's taken a team that's not that great on paper, not that great on paper, and they finished sixth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they made the playoffs, and look, anything from here for me is for them is just uh, it's just it's it's just a bonus. It's just a bonus. They've accomplished what they set out to do. Anything here from this point forward, and I know they're going to want to compete and they're going to want to, to make a run, but anything from here on out is just extra. It's just extra. They, they've they done uh, enough to, to celebrate. It was a party at Drive Pink Stadium. Oh, by the way, let's talk about that because that was a lot of fun. I think it was one of the most fervent and, and one of the most uh, exciting games to, to, to cover at Inter-Miami or of Inter-Miami at Drive Pink Stadium because you heard the Oles ring out, which we've heard only... A handful of times in Inter Miami short history, you know, Inter Miami was doing this to its rivals. So, you know how much fun Inter Miami fans were having. It was it was a it was a good game, very good game, a memorable game, and Inter Miami deserves all the plaudits and all the credit for that performance on that night. So, switching gears, Inter Miami. Oh, and I didn't even do the lineup. I have to give you the lineup. I can't I can't not do the lineup. This was Inter Miami starting lineup against uh, Orlando City. Drake Calendar and Gold. In goal, DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amin Mabika, Christopher McVeigh, the back four. They had the midfield diamond, Gene Mota as the six. Indiana Vasilev and Robert Taylor as the the more advanced midfielders. And then Bryce Duke as the ten. And then up top, Leonardo Campana and Gonzalo Higuain. By the way, something we didn't even mention here, and it has to be mentioned. I can't believe I almost messed up. Inter Miami did not have Pozuelo in this game. Inter Miami did not have Gregory in this game because he was out due to yellow cards uh, accumulation and they lost Leonardo Campana to an injury and despite all that they still managed to completely throttle Orlando City in a very one-sided affair one of the best performances Inter Miami's had in their short history not only on the season but in their short history that that speaks volumes to again the job the players did as well as the coaching staff because you're missing two key players two regular starters 
including your captain and and your number 10 and you still you know cruise to the finish line essentially so you know kudos to Inter Miami for that now switching gears Inter Miami played CF Montreal once again at Drive Pink Stadium on Sunday this past Sunday and they suffered a 3 to 1 loss a 3 to 1 defeat Georgi Mihalovic with the goal in the 5th minute Lassie Lapalainen a goal in the 8th then Kai Kamara made it 3-0 before halftime with a strike in the 36th. Inter Miami scored late through an own goal from Joel Waterman, which was which was uh, produced in part due to a Harvey Neville cross, the debuting Harvey Neville, which we'll talk about in a second or in a moment. But this was complete opposite of what we saw on Wednesday. And I can sing all the praises on about Wednesday's game. Here I'm going to be very critical about the performance. And it's not just because mistakes were made. It's not just because... Uh, they lost. It was the manner in which they lost. In a game that did have meaning for them. Inter Miami, if Inter Miami had won and the New York Red Bulls had lost, which they did not, they won. But if that had happened and the games were played at the same time, then Inter Miami would have had a home playoff game. So there was something significant for Inter Miami to play there. But they had a very big drop-off in their performance levels. Now, before the post-game press conferences, I, you know, I, I, I went to the locker room. You know, because either you go to the press conferences or you go to the locker room. Like, it has to be one or the other normally because they, they tend to have availability at each at the same time. I was with you, yeah. So we went, right? We went to the locker room. Mm. And we did not go to the press conference. So we did not hear what Phil Neville said. And we did not hear what Robert Taylor said. But one of the questions I asked Amin Mabika, I asked Drake Callender, I asked DeAndre Yedlin, was about if Wednesday's accomplishment of getting to the finish line of their set goal, of their stated goal of making the playoffs, of qualifying, of reaching the playoffs, of clasificando a la postemporada, if that, you know, maybe made them psychologically, you know, take their foot off the pedal, lose some of that intensity against CF Montreal. If, if, they, if they got a little complacent. And some players said yeah they agreed with that assessment and phil neville again i wasn't in the room to hear him say this at the time but phil neville said the same thing admittedly saying like there was an emotional drop-off you know they, they had this massive high on wednesday of reaching the postseason whooping their their rival's tail and then in the regular season finale you know they just they just did not have that same intensity they did not have that same hunger and desire I think that's a bit of a problem. I think that's a bit of a problem because there was still something there to play for. And I understand as a human and as a person, like you accomplish something you've set out for, you know, it's hard, you know, it's easy to have now, you know, uh, to, to relax a little bit, to be like, ah, okay, I accomplished what I was looking for. Now I can chill out a little bit. But these are professional athletes. This is a professional team. Yes, it's a mixed team. I won't say a young team, but it's a mixed team with a lot of young players. They should have done a better job of preparing the team and being up for this game against CF Montreal. They should have done a better job at that, in my opinion. Because the Inter-Miami team we saw out there in that first half looked like a team that didn't look anything like the team that we've seen over the past four games before that. It was a team that was making mistakes, that was lacking intensity, and it just did not look like a good cohesive unit. I think they did have an emotional let-off. I think that they were not up for the game in the same manner that they have been when their backs have been against the wall, when they're, you know, because Inter-Miami, and I tweeted this, Inter-Miami has been best this season, Steve, I don't know if you agree with me, Inter-Miami has been best this season when 
backs are against the wall and there's high pressure situations. I think examples of that are the manner in which Inter Miami has found ways to win multiple games very late, whether it's Gonzalo Higuain scoring a goal or anybody else, they find ways to win games late. And they've also managed to rattle off, or they managed to rattle off four victories in a row to make the postseason when that's that's exactly what, you know, the, the math was saying that they probably had to do. So when Inter Miami was no longer now in this massively pressure-packed situation on Sunday, because they knew they had another game, no matter what happened on Sunday against CF Montreal, they were going to be in the postseason. I think that they took their foot off the pedal too much. They got a little too comfortable, a little too complacent. And that that translated to the performance on the field. And I think the first goal, I think the first goal illustrates that perfectly because it's a back pass to from Damian Lowe to Drake Callender. Not the best back pass because of where the ball's positioned in terms of Drake Callender's goal. And then Drake Callender takes a touch to the left with his right foot. And he knows pressure's coming. He sees that there's pressure coming, but he still dawdles on the ball a little too much. He dallies a little bit too much. Instead of just smashing the ball upfield because he knows pressure's there, takes a little bit too long. He looks a little too passive. The ball gets taken from him as he falls to the ground based on the challenge. And it's a back pass to Georgi Mihaljevic. Easy goal for CF Montreal. A, a, a awful mistake, a terrible blunder, a, a, a nightmarish gaffe. Do you agree with me? Did Inter Miami take their foot off the pedal too much? Is that something that should not have happened? No, I mean, I, you know, yeah, they didn't. It was, it wasn't a, the response you wanted after after that emotional night, like you said on the Wednesday night. But I think they were just beaten by the better team as well. Played didn't, didn't defend bad, defended badly. Those two opening goals were were you know very very avoidable. And as soon as they let those in, it just it just was very sort of damp, and it was it was actually damp there. Um, it, the, but the, the performance was like a damp squib. They just never really. Never really got going at all. So, but I, I think Montreal were decent. I mean, they were a good side, weren't they? Don't you think? I, absolutely. And and I don't want to take any credit away no, from CF Montreal. They're a good team. They finished second place in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. However, the Inter Miami we saw in that first half, and even over the course of the ninety minutes, is not the Inter Miami we've seen in the previous games. So, again, I think that that speaks to the pressure pack situations when Inter Miami has to respond and Inter Miami has to has to deliver their best they do when they get a little comfortable they get a little complacent eh, not not the best version of Inter Miami not the best version of Inter Miami and that and that has to be addressed and and it has to be corrected I know we're at the end of the season here so but that has to be addressed for next year because you can't get comfortable and Phil Neville has said that publicly and, and, and you know in football and soccer you have to constantly prove yourself so just because you made the playoffs, okay, yes, you celebrate that. You enjoy that for the night. You enjoy that the next day when you when you do your uh, recovery session. But then it's, hey, switch gears. Now it's CF Montreal. Now we need to focus on that and try to win that because that can help the team get to uh, a home playoff game. And they delivered a flat performance, a very poor performance. And another sign, again, to me, that the team was a little complacent was that post game what was what would you how would you describe the mood i won't even describe it i'll let you describe it steve because you were because you were in there with me with me how would you describe the mood in the locker room post game on sunday after the three to one loss uh i thought they were quite upbeat really they were sort of very keen to sort of forget about that game and move on to the move on to the next one we spoke to yedlin we spoke to mabika um we spoke to someone else, harvey neville uh, it was all the same yeah they were all saying the same stuff but i thought they you know there was music playing there was almost exactly. 
Exactly. Exactly. There was a lot of smiles. There was happiness in the locker room despite the fact that they lost. And that, to me, illustrates that they didn't care that they lost all that much because, hey, we're in the playoffs anyway. There is an element of that. Absolutely. And I think think that, no, I think that 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 should not be the case because there was something to play for here. And and you could, listen, I heard fans after the game, I talked to multiple fans after the game, and fans were like, man, they they should have played for us. Like, like, why did they go and lay this egg? So there's frustration from fans in, in, in that regard. But there's also there was also something for them to play for, and yes, the other result didn't didn't go with them, so it wouldn't have mattered in the end. But the fact that they were smiling and playing music and being very cheerful post game after a loss in a meaningful game, that to me shows complacency, because they're like, all right, well we made the playoffs, so man, if we lose this game, it doesn't really matter. And they and look again, I Mabiko when I asked him, he acknowledged it. DeAndre Edlin did as well when I asked them again. Phil Neville in the press conference room. Acknowledged that there was a, a a bit of a drop off there. The only player that kind of was like, no, I don't think so. When I asked, was Drake Calendar, but the other players that I asked, they all said, yeah, they they thought there was there was a bit of a drop off in intensity. Which again, it can happen. It can happen. You've you've worked so hard for a goal and you got that goal. Yeah, you can relax. It, like it can happen where you take your foot off the pedal, but it shouldn't happen, especially with a professional team because. There's another game on the horizon. What? So now Inter Miami, because they made the playoffs, now that they're going to go into Monday and be like, ah, well, whatever, who cares? Like, you know, we got, we got this far. No, they should go for it and have the belief and the conviction that they can do it. And it should, it, 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 I felt like they took Sunday's game a little bit for granted. I think they took Sunday's game a little bit for granted. Like, they're like, yeah, it's an afterthought. It's an afterthought. Like, yeah, if we get it, cool. If not, well, it doesn't matter. We're already in the playoffs. And again, great for them that they made the playoffs, but I think that they should have... Manage this game a bit better. Manage this game a bit better. I think that, that again, just like I gave Phil Neville and the staff and players praise before for the performing against Orlando City, I think they all shoulder some responsibility and some criticism here. Like the, the, It just wasn't good enough. And a bit concerning. A bit concerning. That, that opened my eyes a little bit because I was like, they were happy. There were smiles all around. It didn't seem like they just came oh, off a loss. Did it seem like they lost the game? No. Yeah, but it was a, It was just a, they, it was just put down to a, a bad performance against a better team, and they lost. Phil Neville's reaction in his post-game press conference, I think that was more uh, fitting for the moment, right? They lost. They lost at home. They lost badly. Like, he was more frustrated about about it. The rest of the team just kind of was like, yeah, whatever. So, okay, that's just my take. That's my opinion. This was the starting lineup for Inter Miami in this game. Drake Callender and goal. Damian, excuse me, DeAndre Yedlin, Damian Lowe, Amin Mabika, Christopher McVeigh, the back, the back four. It was, again, the diamond midfield. Gene Mota as the six, Indiana Vasilev and Gregory as the two shuttlers, or the two more uh, advanced midfielders, and then you had Robert Taylor as the ten. Up top, Ariel Lasseter replacing the injured Leonardo Campana and Gonzalo Iguain. So you've touched on Iguain coming out of the game with a bit of a of an injury. Uh, we haven't really talked on Ariel Lasseter too much, although I think you know his ability to get in behind and stretch defenses. That's definitely been a, a plus weapon for Inter Miami, and it's it's helped them this season when you know they needed a different look, or when Campana's gone down, or when Iguain's not been available. You know, Lasseter's not the most polished in terms of his decision making and, and final delivery, but you know he's been able to to perform at, at a better level than most other wingers. So he's been on a good run of form. So that's nice. Let's touch on very quickly one final thing: Harvey Neville he came into this game, made his MLS first team debut with the Herons, and 
he delivered a very important cross because he races forward in the 85th minute, looks to find a teammate in the penalty area, and just hits a nice stinging low ball on the ground. They get smashed into the back of the net by Joel Waterman, the CF Montreal defender. That goal, although we didn't know it in the moment, that goal ended up pushing Inter Miami into sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Because if they had not scored that goal, if they had lost this game 3-0, based on tiebreakers, and we won't get into all of it, based on tiebreakers, Inter Miami would have finished seventh, Orlando City would have finished sixth. But because of that goal, Inter Miami finished in sixth place. So Harvey Neville with a, a, a helping make a big contribution or big a big impact there. Your thoughts very quickly on Harvey Neville's debut and obviously setting helping to set up that goal. Yeah, well, we spoke to him afterwards, didn't we? It was actually your idea. I wasn't, I wasn't going to speak to him, but of course we had to speak to him. So I don't know what I was, I was thinking about. But um, <laughs> you talk, you talk to him as enough when you, when Phil comes over, or Phil invites you over for coffee at your uh, lawyer yeah, uh, right, client yeah. meetings, L- lawyer oh, client yeah, privileges on my, on my yacht, <laughs> on my yacht. You and Blaze Matweedy. <laughs> Me, Blaze Matweedy on my yacht. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, we spoke to him afterwards. We actually, you told him that, didn't you, about the fact that his goal actually uh, made sure they didn't finish in seventh place. And um, yeah, I thought he did well. You know, he 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 he, he went forward. He attacked straight from the, from the start. I think that's what they just told on. Just told him when they came on, he's trying to make a difference. He got forward, um, you know, down the right, a decent cross in, and yeah, it was deflected in. So that was a decent start for him. He contributed something there. It was good. I think uh, yeah, he seems to be like a positive kind of guy. Uh, saw him around the training ground this morning. Sort of uh, yeah, just. They were talked a lot, Phil Neville, this morning about the sort of team spirit and um, Victor Aloha riding, I think they're in San Jose, riding scooters around the street while Phil Neville was having a beer. Uh, there's also some, uh, some good, some sort of good stuff, you know, but, uh, you know, he, he said that he, he knows exactly what his players are doing. All he has to do is just look on Instagram. Um, and, you know, he wouldn't want to be a player these days just because every your every move is sort of, uh, you know, documented on social media or whatever. But, um no, I think there's a good there's a good sort of squad harmony there right now. That's what that you know that's what they're saying. So and it's probably evident in the last few results. Harvey Neville, pretty soft spoken, huh? Twenty years old, you know, he's still yeah, he's, he's pretty soft spoken. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A little bit nervous, but he sort of grew into it. More ner- nice... more nervous with us than he was on the field. You know, like on the field yeah. on the field, he he looked you know he was he he, he looked like more of a, a season pro in the interview. You could see that you know he's he's still a youngster coming coming through and still getting adjusted to uh, to. You know that part of, of it's your expert questioning, mate. That's easy. Handling, <laughs> waiting for those killers. No, hey, killer questions. Hey, I, I, you know, when I, I, I did ask him for you listeners. I did ask him what instructions Phil gave him when he was about to sub him on. Yeah. And what, what did Harvey Neville say that Phil said? Do you to remember? Go and con- to go and contribute, wasn't it? No, he said, run. <laughs> that was it. Right, that was right. that was the father to so I thought you know I was ask I was trying to see if maybe there was some father son advice you know if, if Harvey was going to give us some golden nugget about what Harvey or sorry what Phil said to him you know to like animate him and, and get him excited and Harvey was just like he just told me run I thought that was hilarious it was it was uh, a great delivery and it was just it was just comical and, and and a good part of the interview for sure so congrats to Harvey Neville for his debut again. Wasn't overly involved. Game was... I mean, he came in in the 79th minute. The game was 3-0 at that point. CF Montreal had taken their foot off the pedal. But, again, he has that one run where he races forward and pushes the the ball towards the middle or hits the ball towards the middle. And that helped Inter Miami finish in sixth place as opposed to being where Orlando is and having to face CF Montreal again. Because if Inter Miami 
had finished in seventh, they would be playing CF Montreal in Montreal. So maybe that, that wouldn't have been good. That would <laughs> right. Been, that that wouldn't have been a good match. Right. Especially coming off of this, CF Montreal would have been on a very big high, knowing like, hey, we just pummeled them in their home. We can do it again. Uh, and, you know, Inter Miami being like, well, we just lost. So now, you know, it's, it's an uphill battle. You know, the, the, the psychology part comes into play there. But anyway, all right. Uh, that, that game was also Gonzalo Higuain's likely last game in South Florida. There's still a chance he could play a playoff game, but certain certain results have to happen. He was presented with his jer- assigned jersey from all his teammates in a plaque by Jorge Mas, Jose Mas, and sporting director Chris Henderson. And, you know, he got a standing ovation, Higuain did, as he was subbed off the field. Anything you want to add with regards to what was probably his goodbye game here, his Florida farewell? Yeah, it wasn't his, wasn't his greatest game, was it? But then it wasn't the team's greatest game. Didn't really, he, he buzzed about a bit, but, yeah, a bit of a bit of a sad way to go out, I guess, when you look at it like that. But, um, you know, if he can um, get the winner on Monday night, then it'll be completely different, wouldn't it? Good yeah. way to finish. I thought, you know, the, the pregame ceremony was nice. Uh, and, you know, just seeing seeing the fans, you know, chant for him, give him a standing ovation. Because after the standing ovation, after he was subbed off, the fans chanted, uh, uh, what did they chant? Uh, they just chanted, I think they chanted Iguain or they chanted Pipa Iguain. They chanted something like, something along those lines. Have they got a song for him? Have they got like a special song for him? Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm trying to, bl- I'm blanking. I'm blanking on what they said. But they definitely chanted like, Something with his name, you know, La Familia did. So it was a nice moment. And if that's the last bit we see of him in South Florida as a professional player, then it's a nice moment and a testament to how he has turned this this whole thing around. Because let's not forget, earlier this year, last year, he was getting booed by a lot of the same people and, and jeered by a lot of the same people. Right. So, and I'll tell you something as well. I watched the other day on Twitter. They had um, a compilation of his best goals at Real Madrid. You should watch that if you've got any idea of, of the kind of career that he's had. Some of the goals, absolutely sensational. Um, yeah, which you kind of forget about that time in Madrid, but um, he was no, he's brilliant. Who's <laughs> forgotten the... about his time in Madrid? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, like, when when you're, you move, he's playing here now. You, you forget, oh, you know, I, I certainly forgot that, you know, he'd been at Madrid and had such an amazing career. I've been reminded by it by watching those goals. And um, no, it's an amazing, brilliant goals. Great player. Amazing player. Okay, well, We've talked a whole bunch. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back for a very short Q&A session and our final thoughts. We'll do that after this. It's Q&A time. I will read two questions. One will not be answered because Jose Armando is not here, although both are kind of directed at Jose Armando. Jose Armando's popular this week. One comes from Don Cafecito. Can someone please tell Jose Armando that Miami FC is not a thing anymore? That, that's the question. Obviously, Jose has been a, a very big advocate of, of Miami FC. He's talked about them on the pod in his final thoughts on multiple occasions. Clearly now with Inter Miami making the playoffs, you know, there's there's more shine on Inter Miami and you know it's 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 a dig at Jose. Jose's not here to defend himself. He did on Twitter a little bit, but you know, I'll wait till he's back on for him to defend himself a little bit more thoroughly. You can only do so in the hundred and sixty characters or hundred and forty characters on Twitter. So all right. The next question comes from Endo and he says, Any update on Jose Armando's football manager? Also, when we beat New York City FC, how far of a run can we make? 
granted that we have a full, fully fit squad. Steve, host is not here to provide us an update on his football manager. So how about you? Oh, you man. provide what us an journey. update. Let's what go. What team are you coaching now? Are you like oh. on your 18th team in like no, 12 man. years? It's been an emotional journey, man. I was manager of Tranmere in a league, the League Two of England. So it's like the bottom professional league. Got promotion next next season. Almost got in the playoffs. Went to the final game. Didn't get in. Made a bad start in the third season. And now I'm manager of Man City. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't resist it. I just wanted to just. I, I did the hard yards for two and a half seasons. It's hard. So I just wanted to have like a team of amazing players. And I'm just attacking. And um, yeah, brilliant. De Bruyne, superb. Foden, Bernardo Silva. Um, yeah, some amazing players. You have like a lot of money as well. So, uh, but the new game is coming out soon, um, start of November. So, like the community, the football manager community is getting very excited. And uh, there's some new diff, there's some new additions to the uh, to the game. Like you can pl- have like a squad planner now. So any players that you're targeting, you can kind of put together in like a team which you would sort of pin up on the wall as my dream sort of team or what you want in the future. So um, yeah. I may yeah. I may get that version because now I think Inter Miami will have their pink jersey. So you know that I was I was kind of I'm not gonna lie I was kind of waiting for that so I could you know do an Inter Miami file but I needed them to have a pink jersey not the white one that they had in last year. Well, you can change it. you can mod it up and change it, but yeah, yeah. I want the I want the real one though. I want the real one. Like I, I need some authenticity. Like just that was my my gaming experience. No, no, no. I agree. I I totally agree with that. I just right. I, yeah, I spent hours trying to sort out the badges the other day, but I eventually sorted it out. So. <laughs> All right. Well, the second part of Endo's question is like. When we beat NYCFC, how far of a run can we make? Granted that we have a fully fit squad. Well, it's not guaranteed that Inter Miami has a fully fit squad. But I'll answer the question first. Steve, you can go next. Look, it's the MLS Cup playoffs or the MLS playoffs. Any team practically can go on a run and make it to MLS Cup. And then if you make it that far, why not dream of winning it all? But if you're asking me, objectively, I would say I see them if everything goes well and they... they, they they get the bounces and they pr- produce high performance levels. I see this team maxing out at the Eastern Conference Final. That's that's where I think they could get to if things go really well for them in this postseason. I don't see them making MLS Cup. Like I mean, they could, but I don't. You know, if I had to predict, I wouldn't say that they make it that far. I think Eastern Conference Final. I think that's that's that would be a, a very huge accomplishment for this team, and I think that's where they could get to again if you know things go their way and if they play well. Steve, I already know what you're going to say. It's knockout football, baby. Anything can happen. <laughs> so the answer is who knows? I mean, look, I just, I just think in a one-off game, if they can, as, as we, as he said, if they can keep the keep everybody fit, and they've got a chance. I mean, they they have in a one in a one-off game. I think they've got nothing to lose. Um, I think getting to the yeah to the Eastern Conference final would be a fantastic achievement. But I think they're going to have a really hard game on. Um, on Monday night, I think it's okay. going to be pretty difficult. Steve, but... answer the question. Answer the question. Assuming they beat NYCFC, end those questions. Assuming Inter Miami beats NYCFC, how far of a run can Inter Miami make? Okay. I think they get to the semifinals. Okay, so they would play one more game and that's it. One more game, yeah. Wow, I was I I was more optimistic than you. Look at that. That's that's impressive. I did not expect that. I thought you were going to say MLS Cup for sure. But okay. No, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not that confident about Monday, but I want to be. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. Your crystal ball, your crystal ball is not a. No, yeah, I don't know. So um, 
Your fortune telling's not not not. I mean, not if, it, obviously, if, it was a, if it was a Red Bull Arena, they'd be winning like at least twelve nil. But because it's not. Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a City feel when it can score loads of home runs. Actually, Jose actually Phil jived at Jose today because Jose was wearing a San a San Diego Giants baseball shirt, and Phil thought he was actually taking the, the piss. Oh, so, no. Um, oh, you got to yeah. tell me that story. You've got to tell me that story. But hold on. Yeah. It's, it's not San Diego Giants. It's either San Diego Padres San Francisco. San or San Francisco Giants. Giants. What, yeah. what are you yeah. doing there, my friend? What are you doing? No, um, San Francisco Giants. Okay. I said that. All right. all right, all right. No, you said San Diego Oh, Giants. San Diego Padres. Sorry. No, we were talking about the San Diego and Padres as well. But in this instance, he was wearing a black San Francisco Giants shirt unbelievable unbelievable yeah. that host to a press conference unbelievable we're and gonna then to, we're gonna have to scold him later yeah and then phil thought he was it was like a sort of nasty little jibe maybe it was Maybe it was. <laughs> jose maybe always it was. always jose always uh pushing the envelope like he does on the podcast all right let's let's leave it there for the q a session quickly our final thoughts and I'm going to make this all encompassing to wrap up the show. We'll be on the Inter-Miami media game, the first ever one in three years. We finally had a media game. Uh, there were drills uh, that Phil Neville helped guide initially. And there was like a turnout of, uh, what, about a dozen or so of us media members. Uh, it all ended, you know, we also had some shooting drills, which Jose did really, really well on. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Steve or I were the best. No, Jose was, was probably the best finisher in terms of the shooting drills. Then we uh, we played a well we did some other drills and then yeah like some like fifty fifty drills and, and things like that but then we finished with a six on six game. Steve, what do you want to say about that game? Do you do you want to talk about your horrendous miss that I talked about in the intro? Well, I will talk about that first. It was a it was a good ball. It was a good ball from you on the right, and as it came over. Federico Iguain was in goal and I was just like I'm gonna miss this I'm gonna miss this and I should have scored I was about two yards out and my header was just pathetic I mean it, I think it flipped off my nose it was dreadful absolutely dreadful and I did make up and then I kept going through I started playing at the back I was, wasn't was that good it was hot man wasn't it it was hot it was very hot it was, it was and, super and we were hot. clearly out of shape clearly but yeah we were good we were good man there were there were other people that were maybe sort of struggling physically as well but I think we, we kept we kept going until the end it was hot we kept trying uh, we, we, kept we trying were helped by sure. one of the under 13 coaches who was a top guy uh, who was really funny uh, it was funny to like play with Federico Iguain he was in goal we were doing like loads of shooting practice and stuff uh, we were given a tour of the of the training facility, but yeah, the actual playing is hard, man. It's hard. It's hard, especially in the heat. Do you want to? Do you want to share? Don't play a lot. I don't play a lot, really. I used to play a lot. I don't play it really anymore at all, and I don't really miss playing. Um, but it was good fun, and I did score, and you did cross it in. I did. I did you set finish. you up. It was a Miami Total Football a Radio connection there from Paniso to Brenner. Uh, but you know, I have to add a couple more comments or some commentary to your horrendous miss because yes it was across from myself on the right flank and i found you at the back post wide open and that ball it was coming down at a good pace like not not super hard not super slow coming down at a good pace and it was like it felt like the play was in slow motion at least from my vantage point like it's there for steve to head it in at the back post unmarked from in close like it's it was an expected goal right like if you if you did expected goals which i don't do but i would say it was a sitter right you would consider that a sitter oh. but somehow i don't know if steve steve i guess steve just explained it mentally how he was processing the play and if he had no confidence that he was going to put it in 
Well, then it's not a surprise that he completely mucked it up and it hit off of his That's nose. And, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm saying like you. Like if you didn't believe in your head that like you you could finish it, then I understand oh, that why. Yeah, and that's the wrong mentality for me to have, you know. Exactly. Forward. Exactly. And what if Federico Higuain tell you after after you hit the side netting instead of hitting the wide open goal that you had all of to shoot at? He said like, oh, it's not easy. It's not easy. I said, yes, it is easy. I definitely should have scored. <laughs> 100%. I don't care. And he was quality, though. He was brilliant with, with, with us. He was really cool. Yeah, he was, um, it was awesome. It was awesome to play with no, him. Um, no, Federico. It's easy. I should have scored. <laughs> you're, la- you're now laughing at me as well, so that's even worse. Steve was like, no, it is easy. I'm just terrible, essentially. Um, I was exactly. I was bawling. I, was, I had a smile like Ronaldinho, like that Ronaldinho-type smile. I'm not comparing my skills to Ronaldinho at all. Not, don't even don't get that confused. But I, I just had such a good time playing. Hopefully next year's edition of the media game is, is a little bit, you know, it's bigger, it's longer, so that way we can play. Because we, I think we played for like 15, 20 minutes or so. So um, the scoreline was, was, I don't, listen, the other team claimed that they won. Federico Higuain's claim claimed that they won 5-4. to four. I don't think so. And listen, I, I would tell you something straight up. Like, even when I was a kid, if I was getting my butt whooped, I like to be the score counter because if, if you know, somebody has to keep track. Because if you don't, then it starts getting into like, oh, no, it's this score, this score. So I've always kept track and I've always been honest about it. I'm pretty sure we won four to three. I'm pretty sure. And listen, Chris Whittingham was, Chris Whittingham was on our team. And Chris Whittingham, I think, is one of the most straight up dudes. And even he tweeted... I'm not so sure that scoreline's correct, that the one that they put out there, that they won 5-4. I don't think that was it. I think we came back and won 4-3. The beginning of the game, we were trying to build up out of the back, but we couldn't build out of the back. We kept making mistakes, and they, they pounced on a few of those and scored early goals. Uh, we looked like Inter Miami against CF Montreal. And then we said, you know what? Forget playing out of the back and trying to play like nice little short short passing. Let's like go higher up, and let's try to win some 50-50s and attack that way. And that helped us get back into the game, because then that made them... The opposing team, Federico Higuain's team, have to, you know, they had to cover more ground now. And then they were getting tired and there was a lot of spaces. I mean, so, I, I, listen, I think we won that game, but whatever. There was controversy at, uh, at the facility over that final final score. I, I will share this part. I will share this part. I scored on Federico Higuain. You know, one, on one play, I scored a goal where, like, I rounded him. And it was slow motion round. I'm not, like, I didn't, like, ooh, take him. like, But, um... Uh, Rafa Cabrera who's Inter Miami's PR guy who played with us he like looked at Federico with like a face like come on man you could have stopped that and Federico's like que? like what like what do you want me to do and I look at Federico and again I'm smiling like I'm just I just had such a good time I look at him and I'm like clearly he wanted you to two, two foot slide tackle me there because that's the only thing you could have done to stop me and prevent me from from getting around you just because it's a clear one on one chance so um, it, it was good fun it was good fun hopefully we can do it again next year 100%. Thank you to Inter Miami for, uh, for putting it on and staying us around the training ground. No doubt. And listen, listen. Uh, you know, they, they, the Inter Miami did, took the whole professional uh, approach to it. They took pictures of us. There's action shots of us. It, 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 was, it, was, pretty, it was pretty neat. Pretty neat. Hopefully we, we get to do it again next year. But anyway, that does it for this week's show. We've talked quite a bit and about a lot of different items. So we'll leave it there. We will be back next week to recap the game against NYCFC regardless of the result. So we'll see if Inter Miami's playoffs continue or if they come to an end and we start thinking ahead to 2023. We'll see what happens. So for Steve Brenner and Primo, I am Franco Penizo. You've been listening to Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. And we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon.